What's up, everybody? It's Friday afternoon, and that means listener questions live time. We've already heard from a number of you before hitting the air, so we're going to get to as many questions as we possibly can here on this great, at least where I am, it's a beautiful day outside Friday. John, I hope it's pretty nice out your neck of the woods. What's going on? How are you? It's solid in Cincinnati here. It's like 50-something degrees. I think it's supposed to be cold. It's it For those who are uninitiated, you know, it's the, I think, the fourth um setting or, or season in cincinnati right now it's false or it's second winter we just had false okay. spring so okay. now we're in second winter they'll probably last a week or two but then we'll start to get some more consistent sunshine here in the coming days so just just battling through just a couple couple more cold fronts here and there i gotcha i gotcha well he's john sharon i'm anthony Cazenza. we are the duo who heads up you want your Black Insider, part of the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel. And of course, if you are new here, welcome. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel. There's a little icon underneath that Cincy Jungle logo behind uh, or underneath John, rather. So you can click on that and subscribe. Click the bell to be notified when we go live, when new content is available. Give the video a thumbs up if you like what we're doing. That would uh, be appreciated. And of course, we, as I mentioned, are part of the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel, which also includes the uh, Orange is the New Black the podcast from Mason Zim, as well as Coach Speak and Chalk Talk from the coach Matt Minnick. And you can get that on all of your favorite audio streamers, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or I guess it's just Google. Yeah, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all the all the major ones were there. So go check it out and subscribe if and how you can. Um, we're going to be getting to some live questions and you could submit those a number of different ways. Looks like my boy John's already getting the high noon going at uh, 4 p.m. I love it. I'm jealous. I'm three three hours behind. I can't quite hit happy hour yet. But uh, basically high noon for you, is it not? <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, that would be a, an appropriate drink. My neck of the woods. That's right. Um, we're gonna we're gonna get to a lot of live questions a number of different ways. You can email us theobinsider at gmail.com. We've got live chats running in our YouTube channel as well as the Cincy Jungle Facebook page. So you can hit us up in either one of those. You can tweet at us at Bengals OBI at Cincy Jungle. Um, we'll, we'll kind of be monitoring our own personal uh, Twitter accounts as well. There's a live post on CincyJungle.com. And of course, you can call or text 949 542 6241. No excuses. Play like a champ. Get your questions in. We'll get to as many as possible. Uh, John, do you want to bat lead off or do you want me to? What are you, what are you thinking? I'll let you go first, man. Okay. Let's do the. The old text line. This is from Wayne in Streetsboro. Um, if the Bengals decide to draft a wide receiver late in the draft, what kind of wide receiver would or should they target? A burner that has kick return skills, a possession wide receiver, or a wide receiver with radiate, catch radius and size? Speed. They, they need that. They need more of that. Um Outside of Chase, like I think Higgins is fine. His deep threat, he's developed well in that area, but they need some speed in case, God forbid, Chase misses some games. That's been a talking point. Like, what happens if one of these guys misses an extended period of time? It becomes a dynamic duo, whoever the duo is, but ideally, you don't want to lose any element of speed that you have on the perimeter. And they need someone on the outside. They need to basically replace Auden Tate's roster spot. And preferably, you would want to do that with someone that brings something similar to what Jamar Chase has. And that's a rare talent, but you can find receiving talent all over the draft and might as well just invest a burner in like the fourth or fifth round. Nothing wrong with that. 
I'm in agreement with you. I mean, one side of common sense would tell you something that, you know, if you're going to maybe let odd and take Tate walk, you would then maybe try and find another receiver of similar mold, but that receiver of that mold didn't really see the field very often in this offense. So I I think to your point, you got to get a, a, someone that has some sort of special teams value as a kick returner, punt returner, that sort of thing, bring some competition to that aspect. I mean, the Bengals, I think, are getting Brandon Wilson back from that injury and whatnot, so they, they may feel like they're a little bit set. But, um, I mean, you, you probably want some speed and special teams ability. And and while, you know, you would say, well, you want to replace Auden Tate with that size and catch radius, yes, but that size and catch radius in Zach Taylor's system never really saw the field very often, be it from injury or just not effective in the system. So, um, yeah, I'm in agreement with you. I think I think uh, speed and special teams ability is is key if the Bengals are to target a wide receiver, which I do not believe will happen until, like you said, like day three in the draft. Yeah, and you already have your three. I think your three starters all have phenomenal catch radiuses and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So you need to diversify that position group a little bit. Let's go to Haas Hawkins in the YouTube chat. Let's answer his question real quickly first. If you had to choose who you are trading for, Laramie Tunsil or Lyle Collins, just real quickly, Anthony, who are, who are you taking there? And then we'll expand on the second guy that he mentioned. I I think just for the sake of providing yourself a little more flexibility as a team and what you want to do in free agency, I, I think I would go Collins. And I think that you've got you've got a bigger issue at right tackle alone. I mean, left tackle still there. There's some a lot of good moments with Jonah Williams. There's also some growth that needs to be shown yet again in this next year as a left tackle. And in that, you know, when you do, when you bring in a tonsil, you would put him at left tackle. So you got a new guy at left tackle. Then you would move Jonah Williams to right tackle. That's a position he hasn't played what since high school, maybe a little bit at Alabama. So, I mean, you're, you're kind of asking him, yeah, it's a tackle spot, but it is different. And you're mixing things up at two different positions there. Whereas, you know, maybe a little bit more continuity and the more palatable contract for Collins in terms of what and what the Bengals would have to give up potentially to get a Collins as opposed to a Tunsil. All of that makes a little more sense. And then that gives them a little more flexibility salary cap wise for this year to, to do some things in free agency with a Collins as opposed to a Tunsil. That's just my take. Yeah, it's it's Collins by mile for me. Uh, they need a right tackle more than a left tackle. They have Collins under contract for, I think, at least one more year. He's much more affordable and you're not giving as much up for him now. Let's just talk about Lyle because I know that's not going to be the last question that we get from him. There was reported mm-hmm. yesterday via Ian Rappaport that the Cowboys are having active trade conversations centered around starting off at tackle Lyle Collins, sources say. Mainstay since 2015. Collins is due $10 million this coming year, and there is interest from other teams. So let's start with the contract situation. He has three years left on his deal, and it's basically just three payments of $10 million each. And this is important from a salary cap perspective because the cap hits are all $10 million which is fine. They're not rising due to the rising cap. So it's just like a fixed flat payment yep. for three straight years. But also if a team is taking on this contract, they're just paying him 10 million in cash this year. And if you compare that to say an offensive lineman that you signed in for agency this year at that same 10 million AAV, your cash in year one is going to be much higher than 10 million to pay that salary in year one. You got the signing bonus, you got a roster bonus probably in there somewhere. So not only, not only is Lyle Collins cheap from a salary cap perspective, he's cheap, from a pure cast perspective and he gives you flexibility further flexibility to add other pieces in free agency as well just signing unrestricted free agents so 
the, the idea of trading for Lyle Collins, it, it just makes it, it makes too much sense. And if you want to feel good, Bengals fans, about this trade, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I'm saying every time the Bengals do make some type of a move at offensive tackle, it's like the most obvious move that they could make. I remember when Cordy Glenn was on the trade blog, everyone's saying the Bengals should absolutely do this, and then they end up they ended up doing so. When Riley Reef was cut, they're like, oh, Riley Reef is by far the best tackle for the Bengals to sign last year. They should absolutely sign him. And then they did. It just seems like the logic is is just too undeniable with this move and the fact that it won't cost that much, not only in draft capital, but also in actual cash considerations. So that this probably it, it should happen. I don't know if it's going to happen, but it absolutely should happen. It should. I, I think there's a you know, there's some reports about I out there, I, I'm not going to really cite the source because I don't know how reliable some of the sources are out there that are reporting this kind of stuff. Uh, one is inclined to think that the Bengals, though, have at least reached out to Dallas to see what what's going on there, what's what, what those conversations may be, what are what they're looking for in terms of draft capital and whatnot. But um, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It just makes a lot of sense, and I think again, for when, when you go back to Haas's question about. Tunsil or Collins, it just makes a lot of sense from, you know, a little bit of uh, need and what you're giving up type of standpoint between those two players and, and and just a number of other factors. So, yeah, I mean, I think that may be the team's big move there. And oddly enough, John, you know, last week we were trying to get to one of a, a new segment where we we're going to talk about, you know, maybe the Billy Price trade and the the whole, or the, you know, the, the pick swap and the Cordy Glenn trade and Billy Price and that, that whole scenario, how it all played out. And we were saying, we were kind of talking about, Oh, maybe this is a Tunsil thing. And now a couple of days later, it's more like, well, maybe that's more akin to what's happening here with Lael Collins and what the Bengals may do. It's just kind of funny how that played out. Pretty much like these scenarios, they pop up just at the right time for the Bengals. It's just a matter of if the interest is mutual and really like this is going to come down to, I think, Frank Pollock. Ultimately, like I think you have Willie Anderson tweeting out like, you know, Lyle's a dog and he's going to work his ass off and stuff like that. So obviously Mm -hmm. the Bengals still value Willie Anderson. That's why they drafted Jackson Carmen in the first place. So if they reach out to him, he'll he'll give nothing but praise to Lyle. But no one knows this this kid better than I shouldn't say kid he's 28 no one knows this guy better than Frank Pollock he was the offensive line coach when they brought in him when they brought him in as an undrafted free agent you have to remember the whole situation with him he was involved in a homicide investigation with his girlfriend which is why he went undrafted in the first place and Dallas sent like an entire recruiting brigade to bring him in from LSU and they gave him like one of the biggest contracts in undrafted free agency history Mm -hmm. and then he ended ended up as a day one starter he actually started him Pollock did at left guard in the beginning of his career, and then he moved out to right tackle. So if anyone knows him better from just how he's developed into into the league at this point, it's Frank Pollock. And if he wants him, then I'm sure that they're going to continue to have discussions about bringing him in. Yeah, that was one of the most notable players uh, in recent history. I mean, it's kind of like the perfect thing that a guy that had kind of first round chatter and whatnot. And then all of a sudden for not a murder investigation, but for various reasons fell to undrafted and then got a big undrafted contract angle to land there. And then the same thing in some ways happened to Collins. And like, I wanted to ask you this on the Collins thing, because that's kind of the topic of the day or the topic of the week right now. If the Bengals do not opt to sign him, do you think that then, because Pollock, you mentioned Pollock's connection there. Do you think that that is actually Pollock saying, you know what, you, you don't, you, you guys probably don't want this guy, or we don't want this guy in the, in, on this team, or 
I don't know. I mean, do you think that that he has kind of a, a really big say either way in where this is going to go? I, I think I think so. That that's probably the biggest factor. Um, we'll also, in all likelihood, he is going to get traded, or he's not going to be on the Cowboys anymore. And if he does get traded for compensation, that's entirely in the realm of possibility for the Bengals to do. And the Bengals don't make that deal. It's almost a hundred percent because Pollock said, "Yeah, we we're, we should probably pass on this." And Honestly, it's not completely out of the picture. It's just the logic is lining up too well. It's just every box has to check, right? Everything has to clear in that sense. And from what little we know from the outside, it seems like that is a great possibility. But there's also an alternative reality where he may not want him. And if that's the case, then maybe you go back to saying, hey, Deontay Smith, you're the favorite to start a right tackle this year unless Mm -hmm. they draft someone in the draft. So we'll see how this goes. But I, I I would be... Not not shocked, but it it just makes too much sense to not to not see this kind of go through. Uh, there is, uh, I think he emailed and texted uh, Dean. Uh, who do you see as the starting five O line? Do you envision Jonah playing right tackle at all? We kind of mentioned how we're not necessarily enamored with the um, the. Well, I mean, it's it's okay, I guess, in theory, when you talk about adding a tunsil and then moving Jonah, but there is you know, potential issues of, you know, kind of playing a little bit of musical chairs there. But if you were to kind of sit here right now, Dean's asking us, obviously, before free agency, before the draft, who's who are the five starting offensive linemen for the Bengals as they suit up for week one? Are, are, is, is he asking about, like, Jonah moving to right tackle? Is, was That's that part of the equation, too. Yeah. Yeah. Like, do you see that happening as part of the starting five? Not really, no, to be honest. I feel like they don't want to change every single thing there, like in a perfect world. I think he's been a left tackle now for, what, five years? He was a right tackle in his freshman year for Alabama. I feel like if there was the chance to do that, it was when he first came into the league and they wanted him at left tackle. And again, you can move Jonah, that's fine, but you need someone to replace him at left tackle. And very rarely do solid left tackles become available for you to pick up and, and sign or, or trade for, and they don't come cheap. So the, the the notion of moving Jonah is fine, but the, the process of replacing him in that regard is so much more complicated than for other positions because the league still values that position more highly than any other offensive line position. So they got a decent one in Jonah, and I think we just got to accept that that's probably going to be the case. Yeah. Uh, in terms of starting offensive line, I mean, it's really, really early. Um, you know, I guess we, we kind of both felt as of Wednesday – we thought there's a pretty good shot that Ryan Jensen, just based on the rumor mill and where those rumors are stemming from, that he could be the team's next center if they shell out the money. That may change if they end up shelling a little bit more money out per year for a layout Collins. They may go a, a little bit lower in terms of money-wise for a center. I thought Jeff Hobson recently brought up a, an interesting option. I think it was Brian Allen, the center yeah. from the Rams. Um, we haven't really talked much about him. You know, we talked about Bozeman because there's some rumors le- linking the Bengals to him. And then, of course, you've got you've got Jensen. But the whole Rams connection, Rams system, McVay slash Zach Taylor and how Brian Allen potentially fits into that. Maybe a more affordable option, particularly if the Bengals go a little bit heavier salary wise, salary cap wise at right tackle with a trade for Lael Collins. Oh, dude, I could so see them. Not only signing Brian and Allen, but signing him to a deal much larger than people are expecting. So what happened today, Jason Kelsey announced he's returning to the Philadelphia Eagles on a one-year deal. He's signing one year, $14 million. That's technically the highest average annual value for any center 
in the league. There's been reports that Ryan Jensen's going to get 15 million. At some point, you have to wonder how far out of the Bengals' price range is the center market going to get. And if Bradley Bozeman also takes some 14 million and Ryan Jensen takes some 15, then it becomes interesting as to whether or not the Bengals are going to sign one of those two guys. Brian Allen becomes the next best center on the market. And if they're so entrenched with the idea of getting a long-term replacement for Trey Hopkins or moving on from Trey Hopkins at that spot and getting a replacement, and then they have this money left over that they didn't use for either Jensen or Bozeman, it would not shock me in the slightest if they give Brian Allen like four years, 10, 10 and a half million, which might be a little bit more than what you would expect for a guy who's only like a one or two year starter is still 26 years old, only have one good year with the Rams. But that is the type of guy that would take that kind of deal because it's probably more than any other offer that he's getting on the open market. He would accept low guarantees. He's a system fit. He's also, again, really young. So he fits in, in that category as well. He checks a lot of boxes as the one Bengals signing that's going to be really polarizing to the public. But in their mind, they're like, this guy's great. Yeah. Well, we've got our, our good friend, listener questions, Terrell. Terrell, what's going on, my man? Happy, uh, happy to hear from you. What's new? Oh, yeah. Happy, happy Friday. Happy to hear from y'all, too. Just, um, man, they trying to make it hard for us, man. They trying to load the, a- the AFC up, man. <laughs> this is getting me worried. Well, Russell and Khalil, Mag, I guess, I guess the uh, NFC said, well, y'all ain't about to play over here. Y'all about to go over there. I mean, I get it, but damn. But uh, that man, and you know, the Ryan Collins thing, either, either get him or Tonsu, I believe so, man. And I, and I'm sorry, but I really want Jonah to be a guard. Just go on and suck up the pride and be a guard, man. Um, I want Jansen, what's going to work, get Bozeman. Um, I, I I like if we don't get JC, I rather go to uh, draft two corners because I don't like none of these other 25, 28 year old, thirty year old washed up corners they got left out here. Uh, we do need another speed receiver, and uh, my I mean I, the tight end group. You know what I'm saying? Everybody won't Zamo or the Grunk back, but I, I really don't. I really don't care for uh, Sample. I just feel like we can we can we can do better. But I just leave out with a who day again, man. And mm-hmm. you know, I got so much love for you and John, man. Y'all uh, the best and um everything. Appreciate but, you, uh, man. Y'all gonna have a great weekend. All right, you too. Always great to hear from you, Terrell. Take care and appreciate the compliment as always, my man. Uh take care. Uh one thing I wanted to bring up that he talked about, John, was the the loading up on on the AFC and you know, there's kind of that divisional chess match that's going on there. The Broncos trade for the Broncos trade for Russell Wilson. And then you get um, the, the chargers who are kind of, you know, they just missed out on the playoffs and all, and you know, they're kind of trying to get all in and they needed pass rush help. And they see who just landed in their division and Russell Wilson, they see that they have to face Patrick Mahomes twice a year and so they land Khalil Mack in a blockbuster trade. And so where that goes with the Bengals is these are AFC teams they're going to have to contend with, especially in the postseason. But the Bengals should also take note that the Chargers kind of went all in on a big a big trade here to acquire Khalil Mack in an area of their team that is very deficient. They wanted another pass rusher aside from Bosa, and they went out and got him. And if you're the Bengals, you know you need offensive line help. 
you may want to take a note and say, you know, we may need to be pretty aggressive, whether that is a Tunsil or Collins or what have you type of acquisition. Yeah, on one hand, you know, having this much talent back in the AFC is not ideal. But on the other hand, that division's brutal and the Bengals don't play it for another three years. And only one or two or I guess two, maybe three teams are going to come out of that division for the playoffs. Maybe the Bengals play one of them in the playoffs. It's tough. Like they already faced a lot of good pass rushers this postseason run. And like that, that shouldn't go unsaid that they've made it past Max Crosby, Yannick Ngakwe one week. They made it past Jeffrey Simmons and Danico Autry and Harold Landry the next. And they made it past Chris Jones, like facing dominant pass rushes isn't anything new. And whether or not the Chargers traded the second round pick for Khalil Mack to put him on the opposite side of Joey Bosa doesn't change the fact that pass rush is strong in the AFC and the Bengals need to improve their offensive line. It's a problem for everybody. It's not just the Bengals or any other contending team. If anything, like poor one out for the Raiders, man. I don't know what the hell they're going to do. Like they have Derek Carr. He's the fourth best quarterback in that division. But at the same time, you can't blow it up because Pat Mahomes and Justin Herbert aren't going anywhere for the next, I don't know, 15 years, each of them. So yeah, it, it's interesting how the Chargers, they went all in on the offensive line last year. And now they're adding one of the best defensive players in the league. And I don't think the Bengals are too concerned by matching their moves because, again, they're not in the same division. Maybe if it was the Ravens doing all this stuff, maybe the Bengals show more urgency in that. But they got to improve their offensive line regardless of what the Chargers are doing. They do. That they do. And, uh, I mean, I'm not necessarily saying that the Chargers are the ones forcing their hands, per se, at, on, a, on a move. But it's just kind of one of those things that you're seeing You're seeing these teams that are close or, you know, made a good, made a good run as of late. And they are they're making moves they're uh they're making moves another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app find a location near you at bank of slash talk to us what would you like the power to do Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. So we have a little bit of a surprise, John. We weren't sure if our, a special guest was going to join us or not. We've got him with us. The incomparable <laughs> Willie Lutz. What's going on, buddy? Dude, not a whole lot. Just got home from a busy week of work. Uh, my cat's beating the hell out of some toys over here. But other than that, I the mountains are blue and yeah, there you good, go. I guess. Yeah. My gosh, I, I'm just so jealous. You guys are both having a nice, nice cocktail, and it's just a little too early for me to get to get there yet on my my neck of the woods. But I'm jealous. Good to have you with us, Willie. It's uh, sorry it's been way too long since we've made this happen, but um, glad glad you were able to make some time and hang out with us, answer some questions and whatnot. Uh, for those who do not know, I don't know how you wouldn't because he's got a, a pretty dang big Twitter following. Um, Willie is. Bengals content creator. He's a host on the same old stripes podcast and does all kinds of different stuff covering the Bengals and is one of my favorite Twitter follows and an all around damn good guy. So Willie, good to, good to have you on the show, man. Yeah, it's nice to be here. And just for all the people out there, thank you for that nice introduction, by the way, you don't always get a nice big <laughs> introduction from people, but there is a popular conception out there that I am a journalist and I just like to clear the air. I am not a journalist. If you think anything I write is journalism, I am sorry. I am full of it all the time. So I work in marketing. So 
yeah, I probably do use some hyperbole and make things sound a lot like a bigger deal than they really are. But hey, if you're looking for journalism, get it from John. And I mean, you guys both know what you're doing. So don't take uh, it from me. Take it from people that know what they're talking about. And also, well, I've been you did so long that I cut off all my hair before I came on. So I, I guess that was the magic trick. I was going to say, man, where's the <laughs> where uh, what, the flowing locks? When did that occur? So I told my girlfriend, and I've been wanting to get it cut because normally I do like, I grow it out for two years and then I cut it down and grow it out for two years. But it had been like since my sophomore year of college that I had cut it back down. And I'm 25, so what, four or five years ago. And I was doing it all through high school and middle school where I was cutting my hair, growing up, the whole process. And I was like, you know what, I'll cut it after the Bengals season. So for her, it took a lot longer than she would have expected and everyone else it was a big surprise but she had just been waiting and waiting and waiting until the season ended but i'm like way too superstitious to cut my hair during the middle of a football season because that's just like <laughs> the worst thing you can do yeah yeah that's that's yeah that's super uh that that's a no-no that's a no-no that's kind of oh, like don't do it. the rally cap thing well we're gonna we're gonna throw you to the fire right away willie because we've got a call that's on the good. line um charles is on the line uh charles what's going on bud Nothing much. How you doing? Doing well. That's good. That's good. I'm out and about in snow. As we had 80 degree weather last week, now we got snow, so it sucks, but <laughs> it's all right. Well, hang in there. But, uh, What's on your mind? But, uh, but yeah, I, I, uh, it's like two things. One, I feel like of all the trades we can make, which one will best fit for the Cincinnati Bengals? And two, I like Jeff, Jeff Hobson, but when it comes to Bengals free agency, I don't like his reading his article, so how is he a true professional pissed off the fan base every single year? <laughs> He's done it. He's consistent at doing it, and I, it's, it's hilarious. People get mad, but we got to realize that things have changed over time from last, from the last two years. So I feel like, how much money do you think they'll spend if Rexy this year in cash and cash? Well, wow, those are all really good questions and points. We're gonna we're gonna talk about it off the air. But thanks for hanging on for a few minutes there, and uh, thanks for calling in and listening, Charles. Appreciate it. Uh, no problem. All right, take care, man. Oh boy, I was hoping we wouldn't uh, have some Hobson slander on on this one. I I want to re recommend everybody to go watch that video on John's Twitter account. That's just it's <laughs> it's calming. It's 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 all of that. Willie will will. Let your bat lead off here. And yes, we can use baseball terminology because baseball is back. Um, <laughs> Willie, uh, what, are, what are you thinking about how Jeff Hobson presents Bengals free agency to the fan base? And what are you what are you thinking trade-wise, some of the options, the best options for the Bengals, like Charles asked? So we'll start with the Hobson thing. I So <laughs> I'm ready to debut this conspiracy theory right now. I think the Bengals have learned to use Hobson at the beginning of free agency as their own smokescreen. I there think they're go. really good about it. I think they're really smart about it. But if I was a football team, I would do that my team writer for like 90% of things. Like if I could just like pump someone like some weird misinformation to like leverage myself in a trade, I would just do it because I can. And not saying that's like the ethical <laughs> thing, the right thing to do and why I don't own a football team for like a million different reasons. Well, probably several billion different reasons. But that's a whole other, you know, I, I'm not a billionaire, guys. It's not a secret. But yeah, so I think... I don't really know. I don't know Hobson very well. You guys probably talked to him more than I have because I've never talked to him. He seems like a nice guy, and I trust him uh, for the most part. Actually, not for the most part. Pretty much the dude knows what he's talking about. And, he does. Yeah. Uh, so the, the one thing I will say about Hobson in particular is at the beginning of 
last season, the dude was riding for Eli Apple, and he was right. And no one mm. else was on Eli Apple Island. And I heard him have some Eli. I think it was that uh, 50 West thing with, uh, I think it was here that podcast ground that did it. But yeah, he had the Eli Apple take. So I will forever credit that man as a football mastermind. Uh, but yeah. I'll switch to trades because I feel like that's the more pertinent conversation. But respect Hobson, guys. He's, yeah, he's I, I, love him. I love him. Yeah. Give him a break. What are we doing out here? But <laughs> and also watch John's video because it does a good job. Uh, but Trade-wise, I mean, we're to the point now where I think we all know the name that the Bengals should want, that we want. Lael Collins from Dallas, kind of. It just should be the move. Like, Mm -hmm. it's harder to come up with a reason why they wouldn't do it than why they would do it at this point. Why they wouldn't do it is, like, the suspension stuff, all that, uh, whatever people want to call it. I mean, this team is... In the Marvin Lewis era, I looked over that stuff all the time, and it turned out all right for him on several occasions and not so well on other occasions. But, again, another conversation for another day. Uh, but, I mean, if you're looking for answers on the offensive line that are within your, I don't know, your, within your pick arsenal to get, I just think it makes all the sense in the world. And Dallas seems to be trying to offload some salary. I mean, we're seeing the Amari Cooper stuff come out. But, like, I don't know what their kind of whole prerogative is, but they definitely seem like they're trying to open up some cap space. Mm-hmm. their line has historically been pretty good. So, I mean, unlike the Bengals, maybe they feel confident about their ability to get new names in the room and get those guys developed and all that good stuff. But th- that's the name. And I could sit here and I was very much on the Laramie Tunsil thing at the beginning. That doesn't really make sense. Like it's fun to talk about, but it doesn't actually make sense. What's the other big trade person that everyone's talking about? I can't remember the other big piece that people have been saying. What position? You guys know what I'm talking about? I I mean, Fletcher Cox came out today, but I could not remember for the life of me if it's another lineman. But that's neither here nor there. I, those are the two big names that everyone's been talking about, Tunsil and uh, Collins. But Collins just makes all the sense in the world compared yeah. to, yeah. Just, I mean, $10 million a year. I think he's got three years left on the deal or something. Someone said, I honestly didn't even look it over the cap or spell track or anything. So I can't speak to the exact right, details. Right. That's the name. That's the name for me. I think Willie brought up a good point, Anthony. Like at this point, the Bengals have done a lot in the past, what, three years now under Zach Taylor, where they've brought in enough leaders in the locker room and they've established the culture that I think they want to. And that's not really going anywhere, especially with not a lot of players leaving. So now they have an opportunity to take, I guess you can call it a risk on Lyle because they don't know him personally. The only one who does is Frank. And there's mm-hmm. been now four years since he's coached Lyle. So again, it all comes back to him and, and what he thinks is best. And if he actually recommends that, but even if Lyle does have the baggage that he does, and that's why he's not going to cost the first rounder that a lot of fans think that he is like, they can afford to inject that in there because the base of their locker room and culture is good enough where it can absorb that. And it's not going to be detrimental. It's not adding another question mark in a locker room full of question marks, if you will. John, you had mentioned the other day on our Wednesday show that um, what was the number you had had put out in terms of uh, cash commitments that that the Bengals are gonna gonna be spending this year? It looks I think you said eighty million was was kind of your your number that you threw out there. Charles, so yeah, yeah, so uh, of that, Charles kind of also asked, and Willie, I want to get your thoughts on this too, but. Of that money, I mean, how much do you expect them to actually spend either in outside free agents, guys they brought in? Now, remember, and that 80, I assume that 80 also, if I remember correctly, you're talking about that includes the Trey Wayne's uh, 
contract off the books, correct? Um, uh, no, actually, it, it didn't yeah. include that stuff. Okay, okay. So then we're looking at playing into that equation. We're looking at the Jesse Bates franchise tag number. Where you know possibly re-signing a lot of their own guys and some other stuff. So what of that? I mean, how much realistically are, are, do you see them coming right up to that that number? Uh, and how much of that may be doled out to outside free agents as opposed it, to inside free agents? It's going to be almost entirely outside free agents because the only way, way that it's not is if it's the draft. In the last two years, Jamar Chase got like 20 million cash up front. Joe Burrow got something close to 30. Yeah. The first round pick that they have, if they even have, if they're going to stay, that pick is going to be 7 million in cash. So it's 90% external free agents. The money is going to get spent. If you don't rock with Jeff Hobson, you don't rock with me. All right. The guy is a phenomenal human being. You wouldn't be saying he this is. stuff if you if you actually talked to him in person. He knows what the salary cap is. He's not stupid. Okay. I, I think Willie's not terribly off base with this, but he's just saying what it currently is right now. They have 35 million in cap space. They typically don't spend to the cap. They'd like to yep. they have to allocate some to the draft. That's just what the current calculations are because every single year the team tells media media members what the situation currently is before free agency begins. That's when this article gets dropped. He's not speculating based off of what might or probably will happen. He's only going off of what is happening. And he knows the Bengals have spent a lot of cash in the last two years. And based off of just their history in the last 10 years, and Andre Prada did a great job of going over uh, this with, with us uh, last year at this time. They're on track to spend at least $75 million in cash because they always spend the amount of cash as to what the unadjusted cap is. So if they're right now committed to $130 million in cash commitments, including both Trey Hopkins and Trey Waynes, they're on. They're going to spend about two hundred and ten in actual cash. That's a ton of new commitments, and they can only spend so much on internal guys because, like CJ Uzama, uh, BJ Hill, like those are going to be their biggest internal free agents mm-hmm. if they resign those guys. Everything else is going to ex- external guys, and most of those guys are going to be offensive linemen. That just is what it is. Yeah, yeah. I think you guys. First of all, I just gotta make another. Little dude, did you guys see that Max Crosby just got absolutely paid? Oh no, I didn't. I did not. He did that happen while we were on the air? Yeah, thirteen minutes ago from San Pelicero, four year, ninety eight point nine. Oh, they're doing the whole ninety eight. That's kind of clever on their end. I would do that deal. I mean, I love Max Crosby; he's a stud. But Max Crosby's getting paid, so I'll go ahead and get back to Bengals free agency. I just had to drop that little news nugget in there because we're talking free agency in the house, but. I mean, I've got this weird gut feeling that I think the outside money might be a little more disappointing than people expect, but that's how it is every year with this team, you know? Like, I mean, some people are out there dropping, you know, like they're not going to go get J.C. Jackson. They're just not. And they're not going to no. go out there and you know, uh, Armstead. It's just not going to happen. And everyone's cool with this. I don't think anyone's going to be pressed when I say this, but, like, the Brandon Scherf contract isn't coming. It, it will not happen. That That is mm-hmm. insane. What I do think, and also, I mean, I'll circle back. They are going to spend some money. And for Hobson to be as adamant, and I don't love this name. I've been pretty openly not a big Connor Williams guy. But for him to mm-hmm. be like, yeah, like a guy like Connor Williams over and over and over again was super interesting to me. Because Connor Williams isn't like a, you know, bargain bin free agent. Someone's going to pay him a good amount of money because he's mm-hmm. young and athletic. But, I mean, I just think this team 
looked at what they had last year and really likes a lot of the names they had in that room. It brought them to the Super Bowl at the end of the day. So would it shock me if they do a little Rob Peter to pay Paul and want to get aggressive and re-sign both B.J. Hill and Larry Ogunjobi? No, that wouldn't surprise me, but that's going to take up a big cut of their dollars. Like, But I think they kind of want to do it because they like what that did for their pass rush. And, you know, I think you got to pick one or the other. I mean, I think people are being a little harsh on Larry Ogunjobi because the $10 million thing came out yesterday, but he's a really good player. He deserves to get paid. But I, if you go with one of those guys, that's fine, and it's still going to leave you with plenty of money. But I'm just looking at them as a team that will re-sign a lot of internal guys. But but like John said, they're going to use a lot of this money to go bang it, bring in some of those you know talents like they did the last couple of years. It, but I think people are going to get too accustomed to what's happened the prior two years and expect it to happen again this season. When this season, I mean, I think they like what they have and they're finally starting to develop some pieces that they really like in this Zach Taylor regime. And that's not something you could really say the prior two seasons. Well, also with that, Willie, I think that this is an interesting debate because now they have a core of guys that got them to the Super Bowl and they want to establish some continuity with that. But at the same time, mm-hmm. in the past two years, like they've done a great job of not only bringing in talent, but bringing in value, bringing in guys who have played their best football with the Bengals. And that's the exact case with both Ogan Joby and BJ Hill. Like BJ Hill was making less than a million on the rookie contract. Ogan Joby was making six million, providing pass rushing production. Like in order to keep that going keep the talent tree expanding and being stable like that type of uh, of outlook of going after free agents that has to maintain like you don't want to overpay for guys based off of past production their whole mo is getting guys peaking at the right time and trey Hendrickson's a great example too so i think that is interesting with both of those guys like i think they have a price for both of them and they don't want to overextend or pay as much as it takes possible to bring both of them back because at the end of the day they will spend money but you're right they're not going to go after the top guys they want to get guys who they believe will bring in the most value in years to come yeah well i could have said it better myself (laughs) the uh i i'm i'm seeing some news as well i think uh and i'm trying to confirm it i'm seeing not that this really has much to do with the Bengals, but it might if a team swings a trade for this player it looks like um, Joshua Patterson had noted that Deshaun Watson was not charged with uh, with anything on Friday. I don't want to really want to get into the details of that thing because that's a whole – it's just a whole thing. But sounds like after everything was presented to a grand jury, he is not going to be un- indicted on any criminal charges at this point, at least. And, and, and scrolling through Twitter, it kind of looks like that. But that may bring a team like the Steelers to potentially trade for a player like that. You've got some other teams that – might uh, look at at trading him, and we'll we'll confirm if that is indeed the case with Deshaun Watson. But some it looks like some it's news true. there. Yeah, it looks like it. Looks it like yeah. Some, yeah. So um, he he will not be with the Texans by. I mean, <laughs> it seems like that's a Monday. Conclusion, <laughs> yeah, Ugh. yeah. So um, I don't I don't know if you guys had heard that or not, but no, it looks no, like the, that's that's the case. This Schefter tweet is kind of not sitting with me well. He says, "quote." This is why Deshaun Watson, from the beginning, welcomed a police investigation. He felt he knew that the truth would come out. And today, Grand Jury did not charge him on any of the criminal complaints. Like we already know that Schefter is just basically taking what agents and owners say verbatim as like a, yeah. I don't know, like, like that, that 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 doesn't. He's just carrying water at that point to me. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a Mister Editor tweet right there. Yeah, right, <laughs> right, yeah. Um. So anyway, that's uh, that's something to I guess monitor with so many other quarterback 
situations going on around the league and something that uh, we've, we've, uh, you know, kind of got in in the news of all these other contracts and stuff, you know, that was kind of waiting at the end of the week here. So uh, John, I, uh, I think I picked the last one. You want to go next or Willie, if you see one up there on the, on the live chats, if you're able to access that, we'll, we'll grab one of those. Yeah, let's see here. Let's go back a little bit because we've been we've been talking for a little bit. Uh, come on, guys. Where's your where are your questions at? It's just a lot of discussions. Uh, here's Dude. here's one. Yeah, I know Brian in Iowa. What position do you guys predict the Bengals will draft in round one? Um, I mean, at this point, obviously, you would say, well, off- offensive line, but I I don't know that I really see that because I think the Bengals are going to do a lot of different things in free agency. I think you're going to maybe see a dark horse kind of position that. Um, uh, you know, I think cornerback is in the mix if they don't, if they don't end up paying a corner in free agency, which I don't think is going to happen. And there, there seems to be a number of high quality corners in this draft and the Bengals love those first round corners. They are not shy from drafting them. So um, I think corner is definitely one to be in the mix and or interior defensive line if they don't get what they want out of BJ Hill and or Larry Ogunjobi. I don't know what you guys think. Oh, it's so hard for me to, I'm just, I'm having a hard time figuring out this draft because it truly is like the first time in a long time when I can say the Bengals can, well, not in a long time. I mean, we're talking like five years, but they can go best player available. And Mm -hmm. that's the, that's the tricky part because like, would they benefit if they, you know, drafted Zion Johnson? Maybe, but I mean, you're in a spot now where you can take whatever lottery ticket you think is the one that's going to bring home the most dough, you can pick your lucky number. And a lot of the time in recent history, this team's lucky number has been a first round cornerback. I mean, Drake Kirkpatrick gave this team a lot of starts. Darquez Denard gave this team a lot of starts. William Jackson gave this team a lot of starts, not all names. The Bengals fans are going to love. I'm well aware, but it would surprise me 0% to see this team go back to the cornerback. Well, in round one. Yeah, that's, Probably, I think it's either corner or defensive tackle. Honestly, um, free agency is going to play a big part of it, for sure. But I think you're going to see enough investment on offensive line where even like the value for offensive linemen might not be there. And again, this is this is 31 picks into the draft, and we have no idea how that's going to go. Um, yeah, <laughs> like, like typically there's like what six or seven offensive linemen off the board at that point. But you look at just the roster and where they need the most help. We don't know what they're going to do at cornerback. We don't know how much depth they're not going to have at defensive tackle. I think Malik Wright said that it's trending towards a defensive player being picked at that spot. They haven't picked a defensive player since William Jackson seven years ago or six years ago at this point. It's always a safe bet with cornerback, but it wouldn't surprise me if they try to get a long-term replacement at three technique for sure. Yeah. Uh, Well, I I snaked it. Yeah. No, go ahead. Devontae White of Georgia. If he Love why it's there at 31, I'd be shocked if that's not the pick. But I don't know how their board falls. Yeah, I like I like him a lot as an option for the Bengals there at the back of round one for sure. If they're not going to go offensive line or corner, that's a guy that and we also know the Bengals like those Georgia Bulldog players, especially on defense. Traditionally, they like to to get those guys. John, I, I snaked your turn there last time. Uh did you see another one come up that you wanted to get to? Yeah, so we had one from William Newell um, about half an hour ago, and we'll we'll have Willie take this as well just to get his thoughts on maybe potential offensive linemen for agency. He's asking, do you see the Bengals signing any 
free agent offensive linemen that are above the Riley Reef level. Any top tier guys is what he's saying. And this could be including Lyle, but let's let's just say that they don't end up trading for Collins. They have that cap and cash available. Do you like if you see them with any top tier guys who's probably on your list of guys that you're expecting? I mean, the guys that I've heard a li- the Bradley Bozeman thing is interesting, but I, I've started to wonder if that's a smoke dream, but that's, I'm getting too conspiratorial here towards the, uh, the free agency <laughs> opening uh, Bradley Bozeman, that, that one I've poked around a little bit and that one seems like there is some interest Lake and Tomlinson. I've just seen like the articles and stuff that everyone else has seen, but the one that is just like, I don't know what it is. And like, Nothing about me as a Bengals fan feels like this should be a thing, but the Ryan Jensen thing, there's just way too much smoke with it at this point. Like, and I know that it's like terrible for this team to get like caught tampering because this is like, if it's really as obnoxiously like, like an open secret as it can be, which it's starting to really seem like it is. And granted, we haven't seen like a big source, like say anything about it, but there's been these like, I mean, obviously the Pac-Man clip everyone heard, but mm-hmm. I just feel like you mm-hmm. keep hearing all this smoke about the Bengals and Ryan Jensen. And Bengal Jim put up a tweet that, like, I, I don't know if we – I love Jim, but I don't think he's, like, an NFL insider. I mean, he might be a Bengals insider. I know he's well-connected in Paul Brown Stadium one way or another, but he <laughs> was forecasting the Ryan Jensen thing earlier this afternoon. That name to me, it just, like – and I don't even know if that's the name I would have at the beginning of free agency been like, that's who the Bengals should go grab. But that's the name I just feel like it, it would surprise me at this point if it doesn't happen. Just yeah. like all the traction yeah. I've heard and the little bit of poking around I've done, like the center market does seem to be in their taste. Like that's where they want to go. And that doesn't really surprise me knowing the struggles they've had at the center position and the occasional opportunity they've had to get aggressive with it. And obviously the draft of Billy Price, but I don't know. There's something about that one that is just, yeah. I, so that's obviously above the Riley Reef level. Now, now hold on a second, like because I, I think Jim does actually have some connections within the I, Bengals. Yeah, like, he definitely or, does. Yeah. Or, or, or are you saying that he was projecting it, or he was just talking about it, like the the Jensen oh, stuff? Go, go check out. Have you seen his tweet? It happened while you guys were talking, so I wouldn't surpri- be surprised. But he posted like it was like three things he's heard, and like one of the things was like the Jensen thing is as good as done. It's like if you can find that oh. tweet, I know, I know, I don't know what to say. Like I'm just saying what I'm reading. I I'm not trying to be Mr. Source over here because that's his tweet. But yeah, I, I thought I got that the, was pretty got interesting. The quote here, says, yeah. Rumor, rumors from my peeps near lock. Bengals sign Jensen. Tons of agents reaching out to the Bengals for their clients. Bengals are on. Bengals are in on Collins' trade discussion right now. So I don't. I don't know what who the hell his source is, but I know for a fact that he knows some people in the organization that would tell them some of the stuff for sure. I mean, none of those three yeah. things are far fetched though. Those are all things that like no. are very conceivable. Correct. Yeah. I mean, and, and like we said earlier, I think it was a little bit before you, here's the, the tweet. So people can kind of see there um, with the, the crystal ball, the lady with the crystal ball there. You could have picked, um, picked a better gift, but you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, near lock, Bengals sign Jensen. Tons of agents reaching out to Burroughs. That's the Burrow effect. The Bengals are in on Collins to trade discussions. We said earlier that, uh, you know, we felt like there, there were some sources out there talking about the Bengals being uh, involved in discussions with Dallas about Collins. So, the, you know, but we, we weren't sure about the... Um, 
I don't know, the validity of the source there. So we, we were kind of saying, well, I, we think it's happening. And I think Jim there putting it out there, I think he's probably got a good pulse on some things. But again, we'll have to see what happens here in terms of my thoughts on free agent O-linemen. My, my, my thing is this is a little bit of a shell game or to use the phrase that you did, Willie, earlier, kind of a, a Rob Peter to pay Paul type of thing. I don't, I don't see, you know, I, I threw out a tweet yesterday about a potential offensive line configuration where it was some of the young guys, the two drafted guys last year, Deontay Smith and Carmen, maybe being the guards. And then you had Jensen, you had Jonah and you had Collins. Um, I, I don't see, you know, people are like, well, Tomlinson too and Norwell. And I, you know, and it's like, I don't, I don't see them bringing in three or four new veteran offensive linemen that have high price tags. I just, that's not the way they're going to do this thing. I could see one that has the big price tag and has a big name, maybe a Jensen, and then maybe a Collins as well. That would be, that would be big as well with that. But I could see more, you know, again, if you go the Jensen route, that's expensive to Williams question here, I would say maybe it is a reef level signing at tackle. Then at that point, whether that's a Morgan Moses, whether that's bringing back Riley reef again, something like that, where it's kind of, you get the one big piece and then maybe you get kind of another veteran, a mid mid tier guy, and then maybe a rental deal for a guy that's got some talent, but is, you know, maybe only got a year or two left and you save some money that way. I don't see, you know, Jensen and Tomlinson and, and Collins all in one off season. I, I just, I know the Bengals have money to spend and cap space and all of that. I just, I don't really see them going that far into diving into outside free agency and whatnot, even if the offensive line needs a lot of work. Yeah. I think Josh, Joshua Patterson, he had one of the first questions and he was asking like, do you think the Bengals can sign Ryan Jensen trade for Collins, sign Lake and Tomlinson, JC Jackson, <laughs> re-sign BJ Hill, CJ Zama and Quinn Spain with just cutting Trey Waynes and Trey Hopkins. Well, short answer is no. Like all of that's <laughs> like they have money. They don't have all of the monies in the world. So I, I think, yeah, like if Jensen is their main target, I think he, they're going to do what they can to bring him in as long as the price doesn't skyrocket out of control. And if they are in on Collins, again, that's a deal that I could see them taking on. Those two guys, I think, would be the significant additions. Anything beyond that, it could be like a Ted Karras, which it could be he could sign like a deal similar to what Suafilo signed a few years back. There's other minor guys that could maybe compete for a guard spot. But I think at that point, you're sacrificing a clear upgrade at guard and you're either looking to the draft or just further developments from Smith and Carmen at that point. The other names out there, what, like Feliciano, didn't he just get released? He's a guy that, you yeah. know, maybe that's, a, that's a veteran option that's out there. And like you said, you know, you could also go the Lael Collins route. And Willie, we said this, I think, before you hopped on. It's, you know, you could you could pay the decent amount of money to Lael Collins as your right tackle. But then maybe you go the Brian Allen route at center, like Hobson mentioned, as a guy that we're not talking about because he doesn't have that price tag like a Bozeman or a Jensen will. But he's a guy that you go, hey, that's, you know, that could be a marginal improvement. That can be a guy that can bring value to your offensive line, even though it's not the we're all in at every single position on the offensive line. Let's explode the needle off, <laughs> off the charts type of thing, you know? You know, I think it's a funny little mind game you can play with yourself because, like, I think Bengals fans are well within their means to, like, pound on the table and say, we should be better at all five positions on the line. We should move Jonah, throw a guard, and this, that, and the other. But, like, at the end of the day, like, I don't think you have to give Joe Burrow like a top five line in the league for this team to have won the Super Bowl. I, like we talked about it on my podcast for like two seconds, but 
we were saying like they probably win the Super Bowl with Kevin Zeitler at guard. So like if you're like obviously you want Joe Burrow to have more time. Obviously you want to have a great line. Like these things are like like yeah they're givens. But at the end of the day, like I, I'm telling you right now, if you just if you two moves on the line, if you give me Jensen at center and you give me Collins at guard, and maybe even if you give me Allen at you know center and you give me like you know, one of those, you know, a Karras, a guard or whatever, like, or ta- I don't know. I'm getting all my positions mixed up now that I'm talking. I just realized that. But, you know, you know what I'm talking about. If you just give me Collins yeah. and Jensen, um, and, and exactly what you said, you just put those two rookies at guard or you bring back Quentin Spain and put him at guard, you can kind of sell me on that. And, and I'll get through it. And the way I kind of think about it, if you look at what Russell Wilson was able to do in Seattle with some pedestrian offensive lines, like, he still won a Super Bowl. He still got to two Super Bowls. They were still competitive every year. And I think some of the things that Joe Burrow does in the pocket where he will wait around and will take some hits and the interior pressure gets to him, it's very Russell Wilson-esque. And a lot of the things, hmm. you know, you'll see from him on an occasional basis in the pocket movement, in my own estimation. Russell Wilson's a little more athletic. Russell Wilson's Russell Wilson. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's a Super Bowl champion who's never had an MVP vote, but that's – Again, going off all these side football tangents in my head today, but that's how it works over here. But, I mean, I I don't think you have to give Joe Burrow this, like, top five offensive line. I think if you get two, you know, really good names, and Jensen's getting older, and Collins has had injuries, and he's not perfect. But if you give me those two names, I mean, sign me up. Just sign me up, and I'm good with it. Well, he didn't need it last year. Like he, all he needed no. was something some better than Hakeem Adeniji. In all, in all honesty, like and that was the whole argument with like, oh, if you can have a full season of decent Riley Reef, if Trey Hopkins comes back healthy, which unfortunately he didn't, like Riley Reef didn't stay healthy for the entire year either. Like your offensive line is good enough, and sure enough, Joe Burrow got into the MVP conversation. Like it, you just need marginal improvements across the that line, and they're never going to invest defensive line money into the offensive line like they pour in millions and millions to the defensive line that's where their priorities are they're never going to do that with the offensive line but at this point this is like the last truly cheap year of joe burrow's rookie contract and then it probably accelerates next year when they extend him like if there's a time to do this i think they figure that it's probably now and they just need some solid answers and with that comes investment but even especially when burrow is paid 50 million a year you're never going to see them shell out big money for offensive linemen that that's their philosophy they like to develop guys there they don't like to shell out the big bucks but at this point there's just no other time to do with it now right i mean look at what the chargers are doing man like they just went out and got khalil mack like that's not like an offensive player but i mean they invested offensive line money last year so and i think they'll do it again this year i I would not be surprised if they spend some more money to get another chip on that line but that's not the point the Bengals got to spend because other teams are spending and other teams are out racing them and russell wilson's in this conference now this conference is only getting stronger I mean, we're talking about Deshaun Watson coming to this conference. So, yeah, John's right. You got to spend some damn money to make this team better. For sure. I just, again, I I could see conceivably two mid to high level additions on that offensive line, be it Collins, be it Jensen, be it whoever. I just, you know, when you're saying three, maybe even four mid to high level additions on the offensive line, I just, I don't see that happening you know, I just I don't think that's very realistic. I think we're kind of entering Madden fret franchise mode at this point if you're if you're going that route. So um, let's get to a couple more questions and we'll hop on out of here because we're getting to an hour. I'm Anthony Cazenza, joined by my usual colleague John Sheeran. We are graced to be joined by guest host Willie Lutz at his 
been uh, far too long since we extended the invitation for him to join us. And we're happy to have him cruising along with us, answering your questions. So if you guys see a couple more either in the live chats or if you got tweeted something, let's have it. And uh, we'll, we'll be here for a couple more minutes. So there's one in the Cincy Jungle comment thread. It's a little bit negative, but might as well just throw it out there. Uh oh. Uh, from Cactus Comet, yeah. he's asking if they sign a couple of outside free agent offensive linemen, what in your estimation would be considered an unsuccessful free agent period? <laughs> um. That's a that's a, a what if they sign a couple of outside free agent offensive linemen? What in your estimation would be considered an unsuccessful free agency period? My in order for because quite honestly, if the Bengals get some depth pieces on defense that maybe aren't huge needle movers in in terms of outside free agent names, but you get the you get one high level offensive line starter and maybe another mid level offensive line starter, whatever that may look like. To me, that's a pretty successful offseason because I think the focus here has to be get yourself some effective veteran offensive linemen, get some depth elsewhere. You already made the Super Bowl last year with uh, this this roster largely in, in place. You got to figure out interior defensive line, maybe some cornerback stuff. But I mean, if you get some depth and or, you know, maybe not some huge, huge pieces on defense, but you get the one or two mid to high pieces on the offensive line, that's a successful free agency period in my estimation what would make it unsuccessful if they do get two free agent offensive linemen is if those are just kind of marginal veteran journeymen, not really going to vie for a starting job, or maybe they're in the mix, but they're not the guy at certain spots. They're, they're kind of, Oh, we brought them in for competition and they've started here and there and this and that, that to me, if they sign free agent offensive linemen an unsuccessful free agency with offensive linemen being signed would be, you sign kind of fringe starter guys and not guys that'll really, really impact your offensive line in a big way. Willie, what about you? It's kind of the same thing. Uh, I'll take a little bit of a different approach. I think they're kind of doing themselves a disservice if they don't get some of those guys to, man, it's even hard to say, because if you give me two like starting linemen in free agency, it's really hard to deem free agency a failure. And that's kind of what the comment implies, but, I, I guess I'll just say I would be a little disappointed if they don't get out or go out and get some, you know, if there's truly all this interest in guys coming to the Bengals and these veterans that have experience and are good players that want to come to the Bengals to chase a ring. I just think it'd be a little disappointing if they don't do their due diligence and go get some of those guys. Now, I, I even feel weird saying that because in really over the Zach Taylor era, they've done a really good job plucking these kind of no name or you know lesser known players and getting good production out of them. I mean, look at a guy like Joe Batchy today who resigned for another year. I mean, he only played a couple mm-hmm. or a handful of games because he tore his ACL in Denver. But I mean, when he was on the field, he made some nice tackles. Clay Johnston made some nice tackles. Um, I mean, you got. I mean, Eli Apple came in and played most of the season and played some solid football. The dude had like what the lowest passer rating and man coverage or something crazy like that. I mean. So maybe I'd be disappointed. The biggest disappointment I would see is if, let's say they let, they can't get a deal with BJ Hill done. They can't get a deal with Larry Ogunjobi done. And they don't address the three technique in the free agency class. That would be the biggest disappointment I could see. Yeah. I just don't think that there is a scenario where they don't spend. It's just a matter of where that money is going. And so they signed two starters on offensive line. If one of them is Bradley Bozeman, 
at, at best, he's a marginal <laughs> upgrade over Trey Hopkins. And if the other one is, I mean, I don't know, like AJ can from Jacksonville, like a starter, but like he's not like a true upgrade in any right. sense of the word. And then you have like two or three signings reminiscent of like Trey Wayne's where it's like, it's money, but <laughs> is it money well spent? Is it, are you going to get value out of that? So like cap wise, they could be in the same situation as they are in every year entering the draft of like 10 million under the cap, but is your roster that much better? Are you that comfortable entering the draft? And you, you might have holes filled with starters, but you're probably still looking to add depth or maybe potential upgrades in the draft at some of those positions that you address in free agency. So money is going to get spent, but I think Bengals fans are pretty good at identifying, like, are these signings wise at the time or are they not? And maybe only dirt for Trey Hendrickson, where there are a lot of people on the wrong side of history with that, including myself. So yeah, I think that, I think the perception is going to be telling at some of these signings when they do happen. And if we don't deem them to be good players for the money, then I would consider that to be unsuccessful. Fair enough. Uh, I, I guess we'll start wrapping things up. I do want to say this, and I, I think I know what, what answers you guys will give. This is I'm just going to kind of address the first part of this question from Austin. We already kind of talked about Devontae Wyatt. Um, I, I might be in agreement with my guy Willie here. I, lo- I, I loved the combination of B.J. Hill and Larry Ogunjobi this year. When those two were out there, they provided, and it was almost like when one guy wasn't being effective – they would rotate him out and the other guy would come in and make the big play. And then when that became ineffective, the other guy would come in and make a big play. There's, there's a lot of talk about Larry O and BJ Hill in terms of re-signing with the Bengals this year. I think it seems like for the most part, whether it's an affordability factor, whether it's a little bit more of a consistency factor, the fact that BJ Hill may have made a couple more plays against the run than Larry Joby did. Sounds like most Bengals fans want BJ Hill back. If it comes down to a choice, between one or the other. I think I might slightly prefer Larry Ogunjobi, and I might be in the minority of that. Uh, Willie, I think you had put some stuff on Twitter as well about being like, hey, uh, we shouldn't really be so quick to dismiss Larry O as the lesser option per se here. So I'm kind of with you a little bit on that, and I think you and I are maybe in the minority there. But uh, if you've got some thoughts on Larry O and why you think I don't I don't know if you actually think he is the better option than BJ Hill or if you're just kind of saying, hey, both guys are good options. Um, I don't know. If you had one or the other there, what what are you going with? Oh, I know I'm gonna get some grief for this, but you know, I get the BJ Hill love. I mean, when you look at actually, I think it was Paul Daner from the Athletic who did a really, really good breakdown of this debate. And I think the article came out today. So you guys should yeah. check that out if you have the opportunity. But, I mean, B.J. Hill has a lot of metrics where he is better than Larry. Mm-hmm. But I, just from a purely watching football standpoint, like, there's just something so explosive about when Larry Ogunjobi's on the field and when he's hitting, like, just getting in those gaps. When man. he's on. Yeah. Like, it's just – and you're not going to get that every game, and that's the frustrating part. Like, if you're going to pay a guy that much money, it, it, it is frustrating that it's inconsistent, but – I just think, and I think I'm on your side a little bit, Anthony. I think if it was up to me, if I was doling out the money, I think I'm going to go the Larry Ogunjobi route. And I love BJ Hill. I would love to have both of them back, but that's just my preference. But it's a really good debate either way. But I think I have more of an issue with people just offhandedly dismissing Larry Ogunjobi as an option. I think so many people have just been very quick to be like, 
no, BJ Hill, BJ Hill. And I think a lot of it's based on, and, and this is a fair reason, like BJ Hill was in every game up to the Super Bowl and into the Super Bowl. And, you know, he had the pick or interception of Patrick Mahomes, yeah. huge play. Like, like we can't undersell that play. Like it was amazing. Huge play changed the course of this team's, you know, destiny really opened that game up in the second half. But I don't know, man. I just think there's something – there's a special quality about Larry Ogunjobi that I don't think B.J. Hill has. And I think that's just it for me. It's just a little bit more explosiveness maybe. And and maybe I'm wrong, and that's okay, but that's just how I feel about it. And I think a lot of people have just dismissed that $10 million thing and just been like, he's done. Well, no, I don't, I don't think I think that's objectively correct, which is why I think he's going to be more expensive because teams value that explosion. They value that athleticism mm-hmm. at the position because that is how most guys get the production. Right. And the whole thing with Larry is that it, it's it, like he's he I said this back in October, like he's the 40 home run guy with a batting <laughs> average under 200. I love like that, that comparison. That, that yeah, literally, that's, that's literally him because he misses a ton of tackles. He over pursues sometimes, but he's in the backfield a lot. And he's probably in the backfield a lot more than BJ Hill because BJ Hill's not, does, is, he's not the same athlete as a pass rusher as Larry Ogunjobi. And that's where that value comes from. And if Hill is slightly less expensive than Ogunjobi, then I could just see the team just signing Hill to have more space elsewhere and still have a solid guy who's, you know, productive in his own right. But I think honestly, if you let Larry O go, you're probably more pressed to find a young three technique to provide some of that explosion compared to if you keep Larry and then you can find like maybe a more stable backup to him who brings the same consistency as a run defender as BJ Hill. So this is a very interesting debate. And I don't think Willie, you're off base at all. I think everyone can evidently see the explosion in athleticism in Larry O. And that's why it was so enticing to bring him in on a one-year deal to see what he can do in a contract year. And unfortunately, you know, I wish that he didn't get hurt, and, but it doesn't seem like that's going to affect his market very much. God, how great were those two acquisitions for the, for that team this year between the trade for Hill and Larry O on a rental one-year deal? I think, but to, I mean, I know Larry O, I, I got to go look up Hill stats. Larry O had seven sacks on the regular season. Obviously his postseason was cut short after that, that injury against the Raiders there, which really stung and sucked for everybody. But uh, man, Hill just came up with a number of big plays. Those guys were just great on the interior. What, what a couple of acquisitions those guys were for this team. And I wish I, I would like to think there is a way that they can get both of them back, but mm-hmm, I don't, I'm a little <laughs> skeptical on that. On that, I don't know. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen. Any others well, that we want to get, go, yeah. go for it. Go for it. One thing on that. Th- one thing I think we overlook is that the Bengals did kind of like that BJ Hill wasn't a known commodity coming in here and Larry wasn't either. So that's not to say that, but regardless of the direction they go, I do feel good about this team's ability to go out and find, you know, and they missed on it for the two years and Gino being hurt and, you know, getting older didn't help, but I do have confidence that whoever they let go, and they're going to, in all reality, they're probably going to let one of them walk and keep one of them. That just feels like what's going to happen. But I think they'll be able to find a name and a young name, ideally, that can fill in that void. Yeah, I agree with you. Any others to get to? We're, we're over an hour here. Any others to get to before we hop on out of here? We got to a bunch, be it calls, texts, emails, uh, chat, live chats, all kinds of stuff. John, anything that's piquing your interest? Yeah, I don't see any new ones in the live chat, but there was also some news that broke. Um, there's going to be a new duo doing Monday Night Football. It's going to be this combination of these two guys with interesting backgrounds, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. 
be interested to see how that combination works on ESPN. Really? Yeah. They're they're swapping over to ESPN, huh? Oh, they worked with Tigger before? They're, they're not a brand new duo? Wait, they're, is they're Sean not, Payton with an football too? I don't know. But is he is he joining? Just, him? I'm excited. Yeah. It's gonna be electric to see that duo together. I mean, two of the biggest names in broadcasting, one of baseball's finest, really. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see if it works, man. We'll see if it works. It's a big risk. Yeah. <laughs> big what risk. a gamble that's from big ESPN. News. Yeah, that's big news. I didn't I didn't see that. Uh did that just come through? It did. So I guess the mini cast has some competition now. Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> uh oh. Well, we're going to get on out of here. Before we do, Willie, uh, in case people are living under a rock and are not following you on Twitter and or checking out your material, be it your podcast stuff or anything else, where can people check out your stuff and uh, get in touch with you and maybe debate you on some Larry O stuff on Twitter if they want to do that? Yeah, I'll probably – you can find me at Willie underscore Lutz. And, okay, so here's – let's do this real fast. It's spelled W I L L I E. There's no Y. There's no Y. There's none of that. And then there's an underscore, and then there's an L U T Z. It's not an S. I don't know where that came from, but that's been a thing lately. And neither of those are. It's with the I E at the Willie and a Z on the Lutz. So respect it. No, but uh, you guys can check out Same Old Stress <laughs> podcast. Uh, Quentin Spain was on our show earlier this week. Great conversation. Um, that's awesome. He may have just been big chilling but that's another thing for another day <laughs> quentin spain definitely loves to relax uh yeah. not a man who's afraid to kick back and uh just breathe in and breathe out at all okay uh, so that's <laughs> that's where you can find us on the same old stripes podcast uh, uh, i love it i love it yeah well you do you do an awesome job there and obviously you're like i said you're one of our favorite twitter follows and i know you and John had the awesome opportunity at the um, the offseason jer- jersey unveiling uh, event and all that kind of stuff, which was kind of cool. So um, you are one of the great fan diplomats out there and fan accounts and content creators that we respect a lot. And we're sorry that it's been so long since we extended an invitation for you on the show, but we're glad you were able to make it happen. And I know you got a, uh, you had a conflict with your day job and whatnot, but appreciate you making time for us, my man. Oh, man, anytime. I love talking to you guys. Always great to talk back and forth with you guys on Twitter. Um, if you guys don't, like, follow these guys, like, I'm sure you do. You have to because you're, like, watching this. But make sure you do that. I mean, they're going to plug me. I got to plug them. So subscribe to this. <laughs> no, Willie, Willie, I got too many followers. Reviews. No, followers. stop this. No, you're getting more followers, John. I don't care. You and your We're not, having, we're not having you back on until this. your hair's back to normal. I'm telling you that right now. Back to normal. <laughs> what if this is normal? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yeah. I guess I don't know oh, you at all. Simulation, anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Thanks, well, fellas. Well, yeah. Well, thanks, Willie. Appreciate it. And John, uh, you have yourself a good good weekend there too. Both you guys seem to be off to a good start to your weekends with uh, the the adult beverages that sh- that have been considered. There you go. T- take a nice big swig of that bad boy. I love it. Uh, but have a good weekend, my man. This has been fun, and it was good getting Willie on. We weren't sure if he was going to join us or not, but that was a nice surprise. Yeah, man. W- Willie is also a musician. He is. Uh, is he? Yeah, he, he was in a traveling band for uh, I think a year or something. Like lived out of a van. He's got a. He's a great dude. He's got a great story, and definitely check him out uh, on Twitter as well. So yeah, have a good weekend, Anthony. 
Awesome. You too, man. And thank you, everybody who submitted questions. This has been the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast listener questions live episode. If we did not get to your question, we apologize, but continue to shoot those over to us for future episodes. And we're going to continue bringing you all kinds of content, whether it's breaking news on the free agency front, whether it's our standard Wednesday show, our listener questions live, all that stuff. We're going to bring you all kinds of different stuff going forward on this show, as are the other guys. Ace Zim and Coach Matt Minnick on the Cincy Jungle podcast channel. So get that where you can, how you can, how you like to listen to it. We appreciate the support. Take care. Have a good weekend.